Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Well, good morning, everyone. You're tuned to Community Radio 3CR. Time is just after 7.30. And, of course, it's time for the 3CR Gardening Show. My name's Pam Vardy. Of course, uh, we also have to welcome back Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants. Good morning, Stephen. Good morning, Pam, and good morning, everybody out there. And if you haven't been up yet, you've just missed a fabulous sunrise. <laughs> it was With beautiful. balloons. Yeah, we, it was gorgeous coming down into the city this morning. It was just that wonderful sort of massive sort of orangey red towards the horizon and the skylight of the city was sort of against it as I was coming down to to Melbourne it was really quite spectacular and it was so, a little bit misty too yeah it was it was it was sort of that sort of early it feels like a really proper early spring day actually it does. And, and and it looks like it's going to be a nice day to be out and about today maybe take dad for a drive seeing as it's father's day happy father's day to preferably all those preferably up to mount macedon preferably <laughs> up to mount macedon come up and see us at the nursery buy dad a tree to commemorate the day what a good idea what a great but, idea yeah so um uh, or a nice sort of something else for the garden i don't know a hand tool or a Oh, and you've got some great hand tools at the moment. Beautiful Dutch uh, handmade stainless steel, fabulous tools. So there's all sorts of fabulous ideas for Dad that uh, uh, can keep him entertained and keep him fit. Yes, more to the point. Yes, get out of the garden, it keeps you fit. Uh, I've never actually seen the inside of a gymnasium. You don't need to. <laughs> well, I'm hoping I never need to. Uh, I can't see the point in, in, in running on a treadmill and getting actually nowhere. It means nothing to me at all. I don't get that stuff. So I'd much prefer to be out in the garden accomplishing something and staying fit at the same time. The only thing gardeners always do is lift pots that are too heavy for oh, yeah. themselves. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, I've got the bad back. Thing, <laughs> yes, you know. I know. Yeah, we, we all do that. But, we do. Uh, but in other ways, it's quite a health-giving pursuit, besides when you get thorns in your fingers and they fester and, you know, you drop a rock on your toe and, you know, all those other things that gardeners <laughs> tend to do to themselves. But, you know, apart from that, it's very healthy. Yes. So there you go. So, yes, we all need to be out in the garden now. Good morning, John Arnott. Hello, Pam. How are you doing? Manager of horticulture down there at Cranbourne. Yes, indeed. How's yes. Cranbourne these days? Going really well. Good. Yeah. Yeah, good, good. Should really be looking well. pretty specky at the moment. There should be lots of stuff in bloom. There is a lot of stuff in flower, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, late winter, early spring. Yes, native gardens really come into their own. They do yeah. because because particularly as you said, late winter when a lot of things aren't in flower, the yep. natives are. Yeah, and and lots of in parallel, lots of south southern African things in in flower in, okay. in, in late winter as well. Yes, yes. So it's those kind of true Mediterranean um, <laughs> climate thing. Yeah. Fantastic, but good. Yeah, Crown is going really well. Yep, yep. excellent. Yeah, good. Okay, I'm going to get straight into community announcements because... Um, There's probably piles. <laughs> Being spring. Being spring, sta- yeah. it's all, yes, it's yeah. all starting to happen. Uh, first up, of course, we have uh, Villa Alba open today because it's the first Sunday in the month. Um, this is uh, opening from 1 o'clock through till 4 o'clock this afternoon. Uh, it's the Historic House and the RJ Hamer Heritage Garden that is open. The address is Villa Alba Museum, 44 Walmer Street in Kew. Melway's reference there is 44H6. Uh, there is a little reminder here that uh, if you take children, being a Father's Day in particular, uh, children under 18 are free, and uh, they've also developed an activity sheet uh, for young 
visitors, uh, encouraging them to look for interesting small details around the property. So that helps to keep them occupied while you can have a good look at all that's growing in the garden there. Now, the admission is $10, concession $8, and I mentioned children are free. Afternoon tea is available with a $3 donation. Now, also, <clears throat> coming up next Thursday, and you do need to book by tomorrow. So uh, tomorrow is your last chance to come to this. But um, Encouraging Women in Horticulture Association is presenting a nursery career pathways forum. Now, it's featuring uh, Laurel Code from Ceres Permaculture Nursery, okay. Heike Barker from Holmes Glen Institute and Lisa Kinsella from the Diggers Club. Facilitator is Chloe Thompson. And as I mentioned, it's starting on Thursday, the 10th of September, 6.30 for a light buffet. Then 7 o'clock, the forum begins. Um, there'll be a Q&A panel session and refreshments following the speakers. It's all taking place at Holmes Glen Institute, which is at 585 Waverley Road in Glen Waverley. Now, members, cost is $15. That's members of Encouraging Women in Horticulture. Uh, Non-members, $25. Students are free, which is a great idea. Now, um, as I mentioned, you do have to RSVP by tomorrow. Uh, Now, you uh, jump on the uh, computer and email events at ewha.com.au. Uh, payment is required <coughs> via direct deposit to uh, their bank, which is Bendigo Bank, uh, BSB 633000. <coughs> the account number is 150126902. That's a lot of numbers to remember. 150126902. Nine zero two, or um, contact on the night if you're needing that is Sue Vern's zero four zero zero one nine six six eight eight. It's a really good mob, the encouraging women in horticulture. They've, they they run a fantastic annual program. Yes, um, really, really, it's a good organisation. Of but, course, but, it was started by Dawn Fleming. I oh, was it was it really? Yes, okay, I yes, didn't know that. Yes, she Excellent. was the origin, original original. Uh, Chairperson of the group and okay. got it off the ground. But, uh, this is what some years ago. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, it's been going for a while. It has been yeah. going a little while now. Yeah. Yes, but they do some great things. Have some wonderful outings. They have they they have pub nights. <clears throat> oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and they change they change the suburb they're held in, so at least it's close to someone it's at least <laughs> once a year. <laughs> Equity of So they can walk home. <laughs> yes. <laughs> No, but all good. So, yeah, that should be a great night because um, they found, I mean, it was partly set up by Dawn because because Dawn's worked in a nursery for so many years, for mm. most of her life. She realised that a lot of women working in nurseries are actually quite isolated. Sure. They're not getting to meet anyone else that's, sure. that's working in the industry. Yep, yep. Um, but, of course, the, the group isn't restricted to, to nursery workers by any means. It, it encompasses a lot of us. Um, I'm a member. Are you a member? Okay. Yeah, yep. Noel Weatherly's a member. So yep. there's a few of us in media who are members. Yeah. Um, but there's, you know, it ranges right across the board of different people in, in horticulture. Yeah. And, yeah, a very great group. And, but this would be a great idea for anyone who is a student at the moment of horticulture. If you're thinking about a nursery pathway, um, yeah, this good. is a great idea. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, let's move on.
the Alpine Garden Society Victoria have got a special event coming up next Saturday, the 12th of September. Uh, this is because they have a special international guest, Chris Gardner, who is co-author of Flora of the Silk Road. Now, he's a botanist, a photographer, a tour guide, as well as being co-author. He's making a special trip to Melbourne this September. He will be, as I say, the guest speaker of the Alpine Garden Society Victoria Group. So uh, everyone is invited. Now, <clears throat> he's giving his talk, as I say, next Saturday, 3.30pm. It's at the Kawara Hall in okay. Kalorama. Fantastic. 1190 Mount Dandenong Tourist Road in Kalorama. Um, everyone is welcome. Bookings are essential. Uh, if you're not a member of the Alpine Garden Group, uh, then it's a $15 entry, which is heavens above. That's cheap enough. Afternoon tea will be provided. Now, if you'd like f- further information or if you'd like to book, you can uh, phone Diana Barry. Her mobile number is 0407 that's zero four zero seven four nine zero two four six, or you can email agsvic at gmail dot com. So that's agsvic at gmail dot com. I have to say that book, the <clears throat> Silk Road. Yes, it is stunning. Oh, it's incredible. Oh, the, the photo- photography oh, is supposed no. to be Photographs brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Are just remarkable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you want to jump on a plane straight yeah. away. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's just a truly remarkable book. So, yeah. yeah so, apart from his botanical background, uh, his photographic skills are par uh, excellence. Second to none. Yeah. It's mm. just beautiful stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. So, if anybody gets a chance to go, it'd be well worth it. And certainly, the book is. A, you know, even if you don't grow any of those plants, yeah, I mean, and, and right. in fact, many of them you probably couldn't. Yep. Um, uh, it is just the most beautiful book. So it's well worth getting just to enjoy the photographs and, and read about some of these amazing plants. Yeah. So hopefully they'll have a few of those books on sale up at the talk there, you would you'd think. Well, you'd, you'd hope so. so. Yeah. 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 You'd yes. hope so, because I think that would be a very good opportunity to not only purchase a copy, but maybe even get it signed by the author. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, great. Think, yeah. yeah, it's a great book. And if you've already got a copy, bring it with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you do that all the time. Yeah, well, I do, but I won't be able to come to this lecture, unfortunately. Oh, so, yeah. Yes, I can't get up there next weekend. So Never mind. Okay, also on next Saturday is the Red Hill Spring Garden Festival. Uh, This is being held at the Red Hill Showgrounds, which is at Arthur's Seat Road in Red Hill. Now, there's there's, uh, a whole lot of experts uh, sharing their knowledge in the big blue marquee. Uh, At 9.45, there's a QA and a panel session. You have Marcel Nankervis, Glenn Yearsley, uh, Jane Varkulvisius, then at 11, Melissa King will be talking about presenting gardening in spring. And at noon, Professor Tim Entwistle uh, presenting Rock Stars of the Plant World, which I think is a great title. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if that means they grow in a rockery or if they just – they're rock stars, no, they're, they're stars. They're the rock stars of the plant world. <laughs> what, what would you – just something like the Aram Lily is a rock star of the plant world. I'm, yes, yes, the know, Titan Aram, the I Titan mean. Aram. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's one of those plants. In fact – it's one of those things I've always felt that uh, through my life I'm I'm trying to tick off some of those sort of iconic plants right. uh, and hopefully see them in the wild. Oh. And so that's what I've been doing for years. So I've been to the Amazon to see the giant water lilies. Okay. And I've done that. Yep. 
going around in a little punt fishing for piranha in amongst the the water lilies. Yeah. I've been to California to the giant redwoods. Yep. You know, that's something that is that's, just remarkable. What a thing. Uh, of course, Madagascar and the Boabs. <laughs> yeah. uh, so around the world there are these remarkable plants. Yeah. Um, and I'm assuming that's what he means by rock stars, the really so. sort of the really iconic the, plants. Yes. You know, the Wellwitzia mirabilis in the deserts of Namibia. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's these really incredible plants out there. Yeah. Uh, generally isolated to a small area. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, it's great fun seeing these things in the wild. Yeah. Have you, see, have you been into the Kimberley and seen the Australian boabs? I have to say I haven't. Um, and it's certainly something that's sort of on the list yeah. uh, to do at some stage or another. Um, sounds silly, but I've, I've actually been doing a lot of the overseas stuff first because I figure I can jump on the bus with the elderly and go to the Kimberley <laughs> when, when I need to. Whereas if I want to do Madagascar yeah, or somewhere else, I might as well do it while I'm young enough and fit enough to manage it. Indeed. Um, yeah. so, so I do a lot more overseas travelling than I do Australian travelling at the moment. Um, but, you know, that's, that's one of the, the fun things in life is seeing those amazing plants. Mm. Plant hunting. It's, yeah. Isn't it great? Yeah. I'm um, planning a ride later in the year um, and I'm actually looking for a little daisy, um, this little daisy. Oh, I can give you lots of those. I've got <laughs> lawn daisies. I've got... <laughs> um, it's, it's just this little daisy here, which is not... I, I would, you wouldn't put that in rock star uh, status. It's a... It's pretty. Uh, it's very pretty. It's an mm. Oleria astroloba, which is known from one population... Um, out, out the back of Omeo, Bindi Station. Um, ah. So, you know, highly endangered um, thing. So my plant hunting for later in the year is to see this thing in the wild. Yeah, well, it, is, that sounds like a very laudable thing to be absolutely doing. Absolutely lovely yeah. thing to do. <laughs> yeah. Lovely, lovely, yeah. lovely thing to do. So yeah. if it's out the back of Omeo, it's obviously an alpine plant. Um, it's at reasonable elevation, but not... Um, not right up. Not, not right not, up Not there. above the snow line, mm. no, okay. no, no. It's called the marble gully daisy bush um, and because it's, it's sitting on a, on a marble deposit. Yeah. And when they did the environmental survey for, for a marble mine, uh, <gasps> they, found, Heaven help uh, us. They, they found this population of Oleary and it, it basically gazumped the mine going, Good. going ahead, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, but a lovely little thing. And plant hunting, I mean, albeit for the little minute things and the, yeah. and the, yeah. and the rock stars, it's... It is a satisfying thing to do. Yeah. It is, except when you don't find the thing you're looking for. That <laughs> happened to me this Has that year. happened? Yeah, this year it did happen to what, me. What were you chasing? Uh, I was in New Caledonia chasing Parasitaxis, which is the only parasitic conifer in the yeah. world. Yeah. I and found then, myself in the right habitat. Yep. I found the host plant. True. Uh, but do you think I could find a Parasitaxis? Ah. Uh, so I, I did go away slightly disheartened, and I'm not going all the way back to New Caledonia just to find it again. Um, I even had insider information from the guy who wrote this huge two-volume flora of yeah. uh, New Caledonia. New Caledonia yeah. He told me where to drive to and where to go to and all that, and I did all the right things. I was in the right spot. I'm sure I was. Right habitat, right but host. do you think right... I could find it? Ah, but so, yeah. Oh, well. Look, you've got to have one that you don't find, I guess. Yeah. It makes the others more important. Would you, those, Some of those orichary would be rock stars. Oh, look, certainly New Caledonia's got a huge array of wonderful plants. I yeah. mean, it's the epicentre for, for Oricarias, yeah. it's the epicentre for Agathus. Yeah. Um, yep. uh, there's all sorts of weird plants that grow there and nowhere else. Metrosideris uh, and yeah, all yeah, sorts and, of and really... lots of things that have got connections with us. You know, yeah, they've yeah. got their own Malalukas and yeah. Grevilleas and, yeah, yeah, yeah. and all that stuff. So there's that sort of 
Australasian connection, connection yeah. uh, and yet there's other weird plants that don't seem to fit at yeah, all. Yeah, and uh, lots of lots of conifers, lots of oh, an amazing selection of conifers, all sorts of genera that grow nowhere else. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, plus outrider species of genera that grow elsewhere. Um, so yes, yeah, so certainly conifers. If you want to see some really seriously weird southern hemisphere conifers, yeah. I mean, some of them only grow on on nickel rich soils, yeah, and, you indeed, know, all sorts yeah, of yeah, strange yeah. things. So, uh, including the parasitic one that you didn't see. What a shame. Yeah, it was. It was. You know, I've seen the type specimen in the herbarium in Paris. Right. So I figured... You have, you have eyeballed it. Yeah, I've eyeballed a dead piece <laughs> yeah. of it uh, and the first dead piece of it. Yeah. Uh, so that was sort of exciting. And I thought, all right, well, that sort of leads into then going and seeing it in the wild. But, yeah. Oh, well, it looked... You saw a bunch of other stuff. Oh, I saw an incredible <laughs> bunch of other stuff. And I must sit down and actually put a PowerPoint together on it because it was a really, really... Well, when you do that, yeah. well, let us know because yeah. could, you could go on the road with that. I reckon you could. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's the, the flora there is just truly remarkable. Yeah. So there you go. So I don't know where we went there. Or that why started we with Tim that. up at Red Hill. Yes, it did. <laughs> I should get back to Red Hill. Yeah, yes, yes, what a good idea. <laughs> okay, so uh, as well as the uh, the speakers, there's going to be a traditional flower show. Uh, there's going to be lots of vendors selling all sorts of gardening goods. Um, there's plenty of gardening activities for children, including making seed bombs, floral uh, headbands, creating a terrarium, uh, gardening kits, and they're going to plant terracotta pots for strawberries. So lots of activities for them. Um, It is an affordable day out, $5 per adult, which gives full access to the festival. Children are free, parking's free, and there will be food available. And if by any chance it's raining, all activities are undercover. So that's that's good. That's a good one. Now, another one, and this one's, this one's for you, John. Yeah. Um, friends of uh, Cranbourne Botanic Gardens have got their next uh, all-day workshop coming up. Melaleucas and Callistamins. You're right. Are You're they Melaleucas right. and Callistamins? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're all Melaleucas. Well, that's what they're saying, but Roger Elliott tells me he doesn't agree. No, he doesn't. No. He, and there's he, a bunch of people that don't. Yeah, so, yeah. so it's still potentially in the air a bit? Uh, no, it's been it's been accepted. It has been yeah, accepted. Yeah, yeah. So all of the Callistamins are now in Melaleuca. Equals Melaleuca. That's yeah. my understanding. Yeah, which I assume then means probably the ones in New Caledonia and and offshore species as well. If if it's the genera, if it's yeah. the the genera. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's wow. like like all dryandras equal Banksia. Oh yes, I bet there's a certain lady who painted all the Banksias out there that's really <laughs> no, pleased she would about never, that. She would never accept that. <laughs> I've painted all of the Banksias. Yeah, yeah. So the Dryandras don't belong <laughs> no, there. No, no, that's right. They're not. They're not even, no, don't want to know about it. <laughs> no, no, I, I can imagine. And look, I don't blame her. I no. really do not blame her. No. Uh, you know, after going, spending most of her adult life painting all of the known Banksias yes. and yeah. having one named after her, yeah. uh, then to find out a whole group of plants is being dumped in with them, that would be somewhat annoying. It would be. Yeah. Yeah, 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 no. Uh, so how are you coping with all this name-changey stuff? Oh, look, it's... it's, it's it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. I mean, the old name is still correct. I yeah. mean, and Rod, speaking of Roger, Roger, um, you know, I've heard Roger use the the old name a few times, and it's yeah. it's still correct. Yeah. Um, but the the extent, uh, I, I'm okay with it. The the rate of change is the thing which is just yeah, it's really alarming at the moment. Yeah. 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 The I mean, in, there's entire families which have mm. um, uh, kind of shifted. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no such thing as sterculiosis. It's all malvasy. Um. And you know, and the the Castlepiniaceae 
um, everything's been lumped into Fabaceae. So all the pea flowers, Mimosaceae and Fab- uh, Cassalpinia, yeah, so they're all... are all so lumped into Fabaceae. Yeah, so, the, so even at family level, it's I'd all f- over the place. Oh, family level is just in, quite incredible. Oh, God. I mean, I, I could pull up a document. There's pages and pages. I'll send it to you. Oh, I'd yeah, be yeah, interested yeah, to see yeah. it. Pages uh, and pages and pages of, of, of name changes. I mean, I, I, could, I could get it in a, a, a second. But it's I mean, it means probably all... I need to see that at some stage because yeah. it is something that is useful uh, it really is. as much as it could be annoying. It can be quite useful to know all that stuff. Uh, I had an interesting discussion with a uh, gardener at Auckland Botanic Gardens when I was over there last year um, because it looks like Hebe's being dumped back with Veronica. Yep, that's it. Uh, yep. And I mean, you could hardly ask for a more iconic New Zealand genus than Hebe, yep. uh, and suddenly it's disappeared. It's, oh, I know, it's incredible. And, and she was saying to me that, you know, uh, mentally she can get her head around this whole thing, yep. but sort of emotionally <laughs> she's really struggling. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know, because, you know, a Hebe's a Hebe, a Hebe. Yeah. New Zealand yeah, thing. It's, and, it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, Iconic. Yeah. Hebe, New Zealand. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I I guess Cordyline Australis would be one of the few things that you'd think even more so than than the Hebe's uh, as a sort of iconic New Zealand plant. Yes. Um, And to lose that whole genus just like that, I mean... (laughs) It's quite quite incredible. Yeah. Um, So Agavaceae, gone. Asparagaceae. Asclepidaceae, Opossonaceae. Um, Budliaceae, Scrofulariaceae. Goodness <clears throat> gracious me. Uh, what have we got here? Epacridaceae. This is a big one for the Australian flora. Yeah. No Epacridaceae anymore. It's all been lumped into Ericaceae. Oh, so it's gone into Ericaceae. Ericaceae. I can sort of see yeah, can, the I sense as, of that one, I, actually. I've always wondered why there were two different families I can there. as well, yeah. Yeah, so I can sort of... I, I'm almost pleased about that one. Uh, Lobeliaceae is Campanulaceae, oh, uh, etc. It's Myoporaceae, Scrofulariaceae. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. Pe- uh, there's a whole bunch of peas. Formiaceae, which yeah, is the, the kind of the formiums, Hammerichalidaceae. Oh, so they've all been lumped in all with the, lu- with with the, the hammeropores yeah, and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Oh, goodness, goodness mate. gracious oh, me. It's frightening. Uh, you, you better send me this. I shall. I shall. <laughs> <laughs> Sterculiaceae into Malvaceae. Uh, Taxodiaceae. Uh, oh, he's into, now in Caprasaceae. Oh, goodness. Et cetera, et cetera, so et cetera. So it would seem that it's that they're lumping more than splitting at they're the lumping. moment at the family level. Lumping. Yeah. Yep. So it's all going sort of yep. in <laughs> – I guess in some senses I actually approve that more than – this sort of splitty Splitting. thing, yeah, yeah. Because in a lot of cases, it was getting to the point where a plant was was a single species in a single genus in yep. a single family. Yeah, yeah. And when you get to that level, I mean, unless there is a family, yeah. it makes no logical sense. <laughs> no. You know, so if you've got a single genus <laughs> yeah. in a family, yep. then it doesn't connect it with other plants yeah. in any way, shape, or form. I, indeed, yeah. You know, so that always worried me. Yeah. And there were quite a lot of those sort of single genus families, and I thought it was possibly due to the cop-out of the fact they just didn't quite know what to do with it. No, that's right. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so lumping, lots of lumping at, at family level, which is – I, I will, I'll flick you through yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, I would like to have a look at that. And, and this has been accepted uh, globally, all these, all of these changes. Right. Um, you know, all so, the, so in a sense we should just, you know, now accept that's the case yep. and we now have to move on because I'm assuming that once they've done this, in most cases this will be much more standard and, and settled because they've done the DNA. They've done the chromosome count. They've done yeah, so all hopefully it's not going to change again. That's yeah. that's right. Yeah, that, I think it might. <laughs> so you still don't think it's actually completely settled? Um, look, I, I I think there will be changes. Yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah. Now it actually does re- raise one issue that I keep talking to people who work in in horticulture about. 
if it gets down to the point that we can only ID a plant by doing its genes mm. or chromosomes, mm. then in fact, what use is it to the gardeners and horticulturalists out there if we can't look at a plant and see it has certain characteristics and, and therefore and put it into its at least family, if yeah, not genus, yeah. uh, by physical characteristics. Yeah, that's right. By the way it looks and yeah. how the flowers are yeah, arranged. Yeah, how many and, petals it has, yeah. how many stamens it yep. has, how the flowers are arranged. And you can look at a plant and say, oh, that belongs in Cruxiferae or whatever. Yeah, yep. um, if you can't do that, then what is plant naming all about? Yeah, that's right. And that's where we almost seem to be heading in some cases. It is. It's it's down to that. You know, look at the genetic material, mm. and and all those markers will, will determine where it sits. <sighs> yeah, I know. It's yeah, yeah. Well, it sort of leaves the the horticulturalist out in the cold in a bit. It does you, a bit because then you've you've really got to be a scientist and have the that's right. the equipment to actually do the access to these um mm. this this sort of information. That's interesting. Uh, I mean. Name changes. I mean, the old Clianthus, the Sturt Desert P, went from, um, I think it was called uh, Will Dampiria at one point. Yeah. It was Clianthus and then Swain Sono. It's had three names in the mm. last 15 or 18 years. Three, perhaps even four. <laughs> I think it might have gone, gone to Clianthus, to Will Dampiria, to Swain Sono. Mm. Or maybe it went to Swain Sono twice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so where is it at the moment? It's Swain Sono. It is Swain yeah. Sono, is <laughs> But Will Dampiria, it yeah. was for a little bit, yeah. which is kind of interesting. Well, if you want to participate more in this discussion, <laughs> <laughs> trying to rein you two in a bit, uh, dear, sorry, <laughs> to get back to the Callistamans and the Melalupas, oh, yes. oh, that's right. That's this is that. going to this is going to rage. I think <laughs> it's all happening uh, next Sunday, thirteenth of September. Down at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. Now, cost is $60 if you're a member of the Friends of RBG Cranbourne. $75 if you're a non-member. $30 if you're a student. Uh, The all-day workshop does start at 9.30 and will run right through, I'm sure. It will get quite heated, I'm sure, at times. (laughs) (laughs) So it should be a good day out. Um, But if you do need to book, and if you want to book, you can phone 8774-2483 and ask for a booking form or you can email rgelliot at optusnet.com.au and Elliot only has one T, so rgelliot at optusnet.com.au and I think I will give up. I've covered next weekend and I'm, I'm giving up for the moment. The, um, <laughs> the, friends, the friends program, it's uh, fantastic. It really, those, Look, the genus days are just wonderful. Yes, they, and they've, they've held so many workshops yeah, this year yeah. with amazing speakers. Some fantastic speakers. It's I mean, been great. Kind of cream of the crop. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I attended a, a fern workshop. Um, it was only recently. Weeks, yeah, some yes. small number of weeks ago. Yes. And you know, authorities on ferns and mm. and authorities on on cycads and mm. you know, you just it just really they pull together a fantastic program. Mm. Um, so all strength to, to their their bow. Absolutely. I mean, we're, the, the botanic gardens are um, enriched by friends groups. Oh yes. And you know, different friends groups approach that their role in very very different ways. Mm. The Wilson Botanic Park friends fulfil a different function function to the friends of the Cranbourne Gardens. Yes. You know, they're all unique in, yes, in the approach totally. that they take. And you had Some a lot to do with the friends groups down at Geelong Botanic Gardens. Another really strong, yeah. yes. another really strong group yep. that, that virtually um, uh, runs the public programs for for, mm. for, for the Botanic Gardens. Yeah. You know, mm. as a, uh, just thinking about the Geelong Botanic Gardens, capacity to, you know, as a um, 
as a staff, we had the capacity to maintain the garden and develop the collections and, um, you know, do the mm. horticulture, but no capacity to do anything other. No. So, no. The, you know, the talk programs and the tours and the, you know, the, the you know, breathing life into, into yeah. the gardens is often ful- fulfilled through the, the Friends Group. Yes. I have to say there's some small botanic gardens in country Victoria that the Friends Group are the only thing that stops the council from closing them up and turning them into a car park. Yeah, yeah. that's right. And that's frightening. Yeah, you know. that's right. Now, you were going to talk to John with mm. his, um, with his other hat. hat. Yes, with yeah. Bagan's hat. Yes. Weren't you? About... Um, Cranburn. Oh, not Cranburn. Not Cranburn. About um, Camperdown. Camperdown, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, now there's a beautiful site. Stunning little botanic gardens. Yeah. Uh, some very beautiful trees. Yep. Some lovely heritage trees on site. Yep. And a councillor who wants to give the caravan park in the front uh, room for more, 12 more buildings. Mm. And it's just yep. outrageous. I mean, it's an interesting thing. as it is now, to get into the into the Camperdown Botanic Gardens, you've got to go through the middle of the caravan park yeah. to get there. Yep. So you feel completely sort of like you're interloping, like you're you know, trespassing. Yeah, it, yeah. it doesn't feel comfortable no, no, to go no. in there. No, that's right. And the new operator is doing quite a good job of tidying the place up. I mean, it was a, a, an absolute shambles for years. Yeah. Uh, but now he wants permission to put in about 12 more buildings. And it was granted. And yes, and yeah. now it's going to VCAT. Oh, it is going to VCAT. Yes, yeah, okay. because their friends group that calls themselves the Camperdown Botanic Gardens Ar- and Arboretum, Arboretum Trust, because they say we're not friendly, <laughs> uh, are actually taking them to VCAT yeah. over this whole thing. And it, it, I was down there only a few weeks ago doing a, 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 a talk for them. Yeah, okay. Um, and it's just outrageous. Yeah. I mean, the council spends no money on the Botanic Gardens at all. They don't yeah. have any uh, parks and gardens staff or anything like that. They just send somebody in to cut the grass occasionally. Yeah. Um, uh, their trust is the only thing that's actually moving the gardens forward, yep. and they're doing a damn good really job. Really good job. It. That's it's, Janet O'Hare yeah, and company. Janet yeah. is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, she's, she's doing a really good job. Yeah, she's terrific. Um, and, in fact, I was talking to her about holding national collections whilst I was down there terrific. as well to sort of yeah. push the whole thing forward. Fabulous. Um, and I don't know whether I'm gazumping her or not, but I looked at what they had in the gardens there, and serendipitously they've got quite a good collection of um, Canary Island flora. True. They've got some big Canary Island pines, which sort of are the background yeah, to it. Yeah, sure. And she's planted a lot of, um, well, what was isoplexus and now digitalis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, echiums and all sorts of other Canary Island stuff. Fabulous. So I suggested to her that they concentrate in that direction. What a good, that's, what a good, that's you know, a great suggestion. You know, and therefore they, they could end up holding a, a major collection of Canary Island flora. And, and lots available to collect. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's, there's oodles of stuff yeah. out there. I've already earmarked a couple of things from my nursery to take down to the next AGM of the um, Garden Plants Conservation Association Terrific. plant auction, and I know Janet's going to be there, so I'm going to make her buy them. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> yeah, so, you know, those things are terribly worrying. I mean, mm. there's lots of small botanic gardens <clears throat> out there, and particularly in Victoria, yep. where, where we seem to have more than anywhere else. We um, certainly do, yeah. And a lot of councils who don't seem to have yep. any particular sort of interest in their heritage in their botanic gardens. And, and th- I mean, that is a role. That is absolutely a role of Friends Group is to, you know, keep the... Well, keep, yeah, well, exactly. Yeah. You know, it, uh, As, you know, you call it, you, you wrap that in, in the, the nice term, which is you know, a- advocacy on behalf of the garden, yeah. which is a really important role. It was, it was interesting. There was, there was a real spike in um, uh, friends groups in regional botanic gardens in Victoria, which was associated with the 150th year of the Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne. Okay. Um, and the Royal Botanic Gardens Melbourne uh, distributed <coughs> a, 
a lot of plant material from the, the Melbourne Gardens to Regional Botanic Gardens, but it was under the proviso that these Regional Botanic Gardens that were going to be gifted with these plants would establish a friends group mm. um, as basically community watchdog. Yeah. Um, so and they need them. And they really do need them, yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so it is an important role for for friends, um, uh, and you know that advocacy role. Mm. This, I mean, there's some terrific things which are happening. I mean, that's that's concerning the yeah. Camperdown thing, thing for sure, but there are some really you know the the converse of that is the Kyneton Botanic Gardens well, that, exactly. had the, yeah. that had the caravan park and they got rid of it. Yes, I mean it did take a long time. Oh yes, it did. It took a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean we thought it was going a couple of times, yeah. um, and then. You know, due to um, uh, some fairly strident opposition, yep. they backed off because it was all a political nightmare. Yep. But eventually they got rid of it and it's made a huge difference, not only, well, without the caravans under the historically important trees, yes. uh, uh, you've got suddenly this sense of the whole garden instead of it being only part of the garden. Mm. Exactly, yeah. Um, and it does, it breathes new life into yeah. a place like that. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's... There's some really good things happening in regional botanic gardens, you know, across the state, um, and you know, there's almost a bit of a renaissance of, of, of some of these gardens, which is happening. Uh, the Warrnambool Botanic Gardens, a few years ago, put the a curated position back in, and you know, really starting to hit mm-hmm. its hit its hit its straps. Really pleasing. We were contacted during the week uh, by the Hamilton Botanic Gardens. Uh, well, that's a nice setting too. It's a, it's a, a lovely a, spot, beautiful spot. Yeah, and they've put a curator back in, in oh, into their structure. So oh, you'd expect that the ha- Hamilton Gardens will start to, yeah. you know, um, realise some of that. Yeah. They're kind of um, they're sleeping giants. Some well, of well, they are, and, and, and I don't think councils in general see their botanic gardens as the tourist asset that no. it can be. No, uh, they just see it as free ground. Yeah, yeah, uh, which is frightening. The Hamilton Botanic Gardens in New Zealand, Hamilton, um, they did a, a, a study on the economic contribution that regional botanic gardens make to lo- local economies. And it, it's for every dollar that gets spent by, well, for every visit, um, uh, there's, it's something like a, a dollar eight per, per, per visit to the botanic gardens goes into the um, Hamilton economy. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. Mm. So they, they're on, on a number of fronts. Uh, they're, they're important. Yeah. You know, just yeah. So, but we do. We're we're fortunate in um, Victoria to have such a, a wonderful array of botanic gardens, but a wonderful array of friends groups, which are yeah, which are there which helping, are looking, which, which have got their back. Yes, yeah, fantastic. You are tuned to the Three CR Gardening Show. Uh, this morning we have Stephen Ryan and John Arnott in the studio. Um, it's high time we opened up our talkback call, so if you'd like to phone in and ask a gardening question or join in the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. The number is 94190155, or this morning we have Anne on the outside line. If you'd like to have a chat to Anne, 94198377. We have had a listener from Frankston wanting to know the name of the purple leaf plant shown on Gardening Australia last night and where to buy it. I don't watch it for no. obvious reasons. I don't watch the program. Um, so I've no idea. I don't know what it was about or anything. I well, don't... the program's repeated at 1 o'clock. Today. And I still won't be watching it. No, but, but <laughs> the Funny listener enough. from Frankston could watch the repeat and make sure they have a pen and paper. Oh, yes. And write it down. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, you can ring Gardening Australia. Yeah, look, they, they do have research Monday in, morning yeah. and they will answer that question yeah. and they, could they well will. Could well be Millie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Likely. If not Millie, Millie, it could be James Beatty. Yeah. So yeah. both of them come on to this program. So give them a call tomorrow morning and I'm sure they can answer that query yeah. for you. 
Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's the best but thing to do. I don't think any of us saw the show. I didn't. I did. no. Well, no, I, I so just don't watch it, but there you yeah. go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's just me being bitter. Um, <laughs> bitter and twisted. That's, yep. that's okay. <laughs> yes. 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 Well, we won't even go there. No, no, we won't. Leave it alone. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, as I mentioned, if you'd like to join us this morning, do give us a call 94190155 or to speak to Anne on the outside line. Nine four one nine eight three double seven. I see we've got a couple of calls coming through, John. At the moment, um, what's the focus down at Cranbourne? Is it is it generally maintenance, or have you got any special projects in line? It's a real. We're in a really interesting phase in the project. I mean, big gardens like this. There's a, there's the planning phase. There's the construction phase. We're we're nowhere near. It being a in, in pure maintenance phase at all because okay. we're still very much in in establishing the landscape. Right. Um, so we're in that kind of establishment. We're getting to know the garden. Yeah. We're getting to know the garden and all of its nuances. And yes, um, yeah, what, what works and doesn't what work. work yeah. What doesn't work. Yeah, it's all very well to have something on paper, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. When it comes to being on gr- on the ground, yep. Yep. All sorts of things can change. Yeah, for sure. Like mm. for, for example, if you if you walk into the into the gardens, and virtually everything is in a in a state of well, not flux. That that would be overstating it, but they're really dynamic things. Gardens. Okay. Yeah. So you walk into the garden, look at the red sand garden, and you know we've got we've got a minute just to explore this. Yes. <laughs> yeah. We've got issues with with kind of rabbits. You know, so you know we're not, we're not quite on top of that. Right. You turn down to the diversity garden, and all of those those um, display gardens in in the first stage mm. were. Designed to be gallery spaces, so they were, so they were going to be turned over. Mm. They weren't going to be permanent, yes. permanent elements. So, yes. um, but we really don't know which of those are going to be. Some of them, I suspect, will be there in perpetuity, and some of them might be might be dynamic. We haven't quite worked that out. Um, we've got a, a, a the kids' backyard is not quite working as it could. Okay. So there's great potential to to expand on that, and you know, do some children's mm. garden stuff. Um, our cultivar garden, we had to uh, basically pull all the soil out and put the soil back because we we're having soil issues. Oh, so that's yeah. that's quite a dynamic. Front, oh yes, front. House and Hill. Um, we've kind of changed the focus of that from Western Australian things to uh, representing Mallee. So that's a okay. really dynamic, changing, changing landscape. Um, the climbing frames, you know, some of the things have worked and some haven't. So, you know, it's that kind of mm. um, that. It's that kind of we're we're becoming familiar with the garden. Okay. Uh, and we're writing. We're actually writing. It's a really nice process. We're writing curatorial plans for each of those precincts. Oh. So we're setting some objectives and yes. then te- you know checking in as to where we are against the objectives and what the gap is, and what we have to do to sort of fulfil. The, the potential for these mm. for, for, for these precincts. Well, of course, the so other we're, thing is we're still in sort of strategic yeah. planning phase. The other thing is you've now had a few seasons and you've had variations within those seasons. Yeah, absolutely. So, so in some ways, the plants have been given a real test. Yeah, absolutely. A, a varying climate conditions for sure, and you know. Uh, We've had quite a few failures and you know, lots of successes, but you know, it's, a, it's a garden. We have successes and failures. It's, mm, the, it's the nature of gardens. Don't you love it, though, when you, you're supposed to be the expert and something goes wrong and it doesn't <laughs> yeah. work and people say, but why? Yeah. And sometimes you just don't know. No, you, or it just guessing. is. Yeah, yeah, it just is. It died cause. Yeah, it you know, died because. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, sometimes, you know, plants will just do that. I've had instances where I've planted something and it's failed. I've planted another one and it's failed, and then you plant the third one and it and succeeds. It, and it works, yeah. Why? Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It just did. That one was a bit more robust or something. It I don't know why that, or, yeah, why that particular plant succeeds and another one fails. Yeah, yeah. The thing that, the thing that will, and we'll come in 
perhaps and, and, and talk to this properly once we're in, in, into it. But uh, we're reviewing the master plan for the whole of the site. Uh, and Gee, be that's fan- big and the, job. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. A really fantastic thing to do. Um, and we've engaged a, a company called Kapir who's going to um, run the community consultation process. So a, a lot of it will be online. So there's opportunities for, okay. for people to really get involved. Well, in. that's great that you're having community input. Really important, yeah. Um, so uh, we're a, some small number of months away from um, starting that process. Uh, but that's on the horizon as well, looking at uh, a, master, wow. a master plan for the site. Okay. So opportunities for people to share their aspirations, their dreams, their ideas, their concerns yes. um, about the about the site. Yes. Um, and uh, this company, Kapir, they run a really good consultation process. Okay. Um, a little bit similar to some of the work that the Melbourne, the City of Melbourne, are doing with their with their consultation. So really active online engagement mm. and forums and discussions, and we're really looking forward to that. So that's that's uh, that's later on this year. Wow, mm. a lot of dynamic things going yeah, on, is. John. Yeah, there really are. So it's oh, good fun. It's brilliant. Good fun. Okay, we better go to a couple of callers. First up, we have uh, Selma, who's in Leangatha. Good morning, Selma. Oh, good morning, everybody. Hi, panel. I just feel for poor Camperdown. We went through all this at Leangatha oh, Council, yeah. if you remember rightly, and it was because of 3CR that we won, because you had the great <clears throat> John Fordham on. Yes. Who introduced me to Greg Moore, who had become part of my committee. So good luck, Camperdown. What was, what was your issue there, Selma? Yeah. Uh, they were ch- just chopping. Aldi had bought a block and the council had given them the rights to clear fell. Okay. And they, we had historic trees and they were just beautiful trees. So I managed with my little committee to save the Illawarra flame tree, if you remember rightly. Terrific. And now it stands, thanks to Aldi, I must admit, it stands as a beautiful sentinel of, we saved this tree. Yes, yeah, that's wonderful. Stuff. Well done. I remember I the fight. Yes, yes, it was It's etched in my mind too, Zelda. <laughs> Is that right? That's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What I'm ringing for, though, on next weekend, we have our National um, Daffodil Festival mm-hmm. at Lee and Gatha. And this year, it, it's being held, um, it, it's our 59th year of holding this Daffodil Festival. Good going, wow. But this year, it is the national one. So we've got entries coming from Canberra, New South Wales, Tasmania. And so it really is quite huge. And it goes for three days. So it starts on Friday at 2 o'clock for the public to come in. And then Saturday and Sunday, of course, we have the hall open and it's really quite huge the whole memorial hall is just full of every floral flower there is available and lovely floral arrangements come in as well as (laughs) as the competition but not only that we have three huge big gardens open on that day so we have a free bus and i'm all (coughs) on the buses right Mm -hmm. you're good so we take them around to the gardens, and the people can go by themselves in, in their own car if they wish to do that too. Excellent. So that is our big, big weekend, and it's the 59th year in a row that this has been held in Langafa. So we are known as the Daffodil Centre. Definitely. <laughs> we rival Kyneton. No, yes, do you yes, now? yes. <laughs> Uh, uh, now, may I ask a question, please, sure. amongst all of this? I have been given two big truckloads of um, mulch. It's eucalyptus, tea tree, blackwood, all mulched down. So it's 
sort of burning itself off at the moment, very hot. Is there, should I be putting anything with it before I use it in months to come? To, so it's not like, I don't want to be putting it onto the ground and having it leaching the goodness there. No, look... This business about nitrogen drawdown and all that sort of stuff, is uh, it's a little overplayed. Okay. Um, if you're putting something on it as a mulch, yep. as it slowly rots down, it will tie up a little bit of nitrogen in the top bit of soil, but most of the roots aren't there. Right. So if you're putting it down as a mulch, I wouldn't worry about it. If you were digging it in, I'd be worried about it. Okay. Um, yeah. But if you're just putting it down as a mulch, just put it down as a mulch, uh, and there's nothing wrong with it. I mean, I've used truckloads and truckloads of tree <laughs> shred- shreddings in my own garden. Uh, somebody once told me my upstairs extension was only there because the uh, downstairs was disappearing under the mulch. <laughs> well, likewise, because we only own about half an inch of soil at out from where I live, yeah. Um, you know, I've had to mulch. I've had yeah. to bring in whole so, look, stuff and everything. But that therein is my issue. You use this stuff and that's fine. Yes. But the next time you put something down, it's a good idea to try and vary it a bit. So next time yes. you might put down some animal manure or yes. you might put down yep. some pea straw or you might put down something else. Mm. And the... The wider diversity of materials that go down over the years, the more nutrients and, ah. and micro elements and all yep. sorts of things go into the ground. So that's uh, – I don't use – one product to the exclusion of all others, I try and get as many different things into my ground as possible, yep. which is probably not terribly scientific, but it sort of – I figure the wider diversity, the wider yep. diversity of things I end up in with, within the ground, which seems to make sense Reasonable to me. Reasonable Yeah. So that's what I would do. So I would certainly use it uh, with, with no fear as long as it's just going down as a mulch. Thank you ever so much. So good luck. I love your show. <laughs> Excellent. We used Bye-bye. a we used Bye. a mulch called uh, BK twenty, which is a uh, quite a coarse wood. Chip. No, yeah. and and we actually found that I mean it was wood, mm. um, and there, there was uh, we were finding that we we were getting quite plant quite poor plant performance based on oh yeah, uh, but that was wood. Yeah. Like that was a wood 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 chip. Yeah. So we threw a little bit of urea down, and that that seemed to. Help, yeah. help the plants. Yeah, look, and, and it is. It's all about the diversity yeah, you get in. that's so, right. See, so, so this was almost just this layer of wood chip. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, well, they're all pellets, actually. That's That was a, a, a well, was recycled product. So <laughs> it was like probably a few nails and all sorts of things in All that. sorts of things. <laughs> but but no, no leaf material or, mm. or it was just wood. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there you go. Yeah. Well, I guess you can always mix a bit of cow manure or something yeah. in yeah. with it. Grab a couple of bags of blood and bone and throw yeah. that yeah, over yeah, the yeah. top of it. Yeah, I mean, exactly. You, you, it's yeah. easy enough to fix. Of course it is. But yeah. I do like the, that diversity is a good thing in, in, oh, in oh, absolutely. Of course yeah. it is. It, it's just got to be sensible. I mean, I always use the adage that you might have a favourite food, but you don't want it every meal. No. And your no, garden's no. the same. Absolutely. So as long as you can put down a diverse range of materials. Yep. Uh, I still talk about the year of the duck poo in our garden. We're about seven truckloads of duck manure arrived. Is that right? Yeah, and until one of the neighbours kicked up such a huge well, dare I say stink uh, <laughs> over it and I had to stop um, Did it stink? Oh god yes <laughs> when it was in the pile it really ponged. you know, you'd stick the spade in and you just about made your wrench, it was, it was disgusting um, and we were very generous with it over the whole garden and I did burn the dickens out of a couple of delicate plants with it but over the next six months, the soil was fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't use it every year because no, it's just too rich. Too rich. You know, so yeah. the once was probably enough. And I guess if I want to get rid of my next-door neighbour, I'll do it again. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, I'll behave myself and not do it. But uh, it was fantastic stuff. Um, but, you know, I wouldn't use it all the time. Yeah. So was that was it a product of duck 
farm. Yeah, there's a duck farm not terribly far away from us. Right. So, uh, I mean, if you drive past them, you can buy small bags of it yeah. on the side of the road. They okay. have bags there for two or three bucks a yeah. bag. But I was buying it by the 10-metre truckload. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, it, and I have to say it had bones and things oh, in it yeah. as well. Oh, you know, okay. So you didn't want to look too closely. No. I'm still digging up duck bones and things around the garden, the odd skull and all sorts of things. Uh, so I did have some sort of reservations about this material, but it was fantastic. And, yeah. you know, it killed a couple of rhododendrons, but so be it. Um, and um, I didn't like the red one anyway. And um, the ground was just so much better off for it. I, you mm. know, you could see the, 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 the worms and the, and the whole sort of soil structure just sort of came to life Sounds after like putting down that manure. Kick-started a oh, few it, things. Yeah. It did. Yeah. It was fantastic. Fantastic. So, yes. yeah, so diversity is what it's all about. Yep. Okay, we're going to go to uh, Maria Chiavarella from Sustainable Gardening Australia. Good morning, Maria. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, everybody. Now, morning. I asked uh, you uh, to have a chat to us this morning because Sustainable Gardening Australia is uh, about to start a new initiative. Yes, we are. We, uh, we thought um, we'd like to be able to get ordinary gardeners out and having a look at what other ordinary gardeners are doing in an extraordinary way. We're starting up a new program of sustainable open gardens and tours. So I, I've, uh, I've managed to hunt out some fantastic gardeners, just ordinary people though, but they are trying to garden very, very sustainably to sort of reduce their ecological footprint really. Mm-hmm. while in their garden because it's easy to go the other way. You can just walk down, uh, you know, one of those big hardware chains and look down the aisles there and there's millions of different chemicals, synthetic chemicals oh, yes. in your garden. Uh, these people aren't and yet they've got beautiful, beautiful, amazing and very highly productive gardens too. Okay. Um, so do you have any, any like, um, uh, checklist as Absol- to what... what, what- is actually a sustainable garden? Yeah, what's yeah, the criteria? Yeah, most definitely, most definitely. Like, I mean, all of these gardeners would definitely be recycling all their organic waste on site. So, you know, of course the composting, the worm farms, a lot of them have bees or even ducks. I heard you mentioning ducks before. Yep. Uh, chooks. But, I mean, you don't need to have, say, ducks or chooks to have a sustainable garden. It's just really looking at limiting uh, the impact uh, on the planet just by what you do. Uh, so you're, you're increasing the biodiversity in your garden by planting lots of different things to attract, uh, you know, beneficial insects, for example, to help to do the pest control for you. There's a myriad of different ways. And like I said, many of them are very highly productive too. There's some beautiful, beautiful plants happening there mm. and uh, lots and lots of food being grown in these gardens. Look, we're not talking about huge gardens necessarily either. Right. I've, seen a, I've seen a whole range of them. And from dual occupancy, you know, the unit style thing where uh, one woman has uh, managed to cram this avocado tree in that's dripping with fruit as well as all the other bits and pieces she's got in there, all in a very attractive setting and all in a very small space. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, to the much, um, you know, the ordinary suburban blocks, it's just a, a wide range of gardens that I've seen and I've just come away just being awestruck every single time at what these people are doing okay. all in a highly sustainable fashion. Now, you've got general openings, but you've also got actual garden tours. Yeah, look, we thought um, uh, what we'd like to do, because sometimes when you go to an open garden, you know, you're wandering around and you're ooing and ahhing, but it's much, you get a lot more out of it if you've got the gardener 
well, a person instrumental in getting this garden happening, talking to you about all the different aspects. Like you might, you know, someone who doesn't know might look at a plant and say, well, that's pretty. And the garden will tell you, no, look, I've planted that for this reason. And it might be to increase the biodiversity, it might be to attract native wasps or whatever it might be. Mm. And um, you'll get a lot more out of a guided tour that way than you would just by walking around. So all of our gardens uh, have got guided tours and then some gardeners are happy to open their garden on a second day just for the usual sort of walking around and, and having a look. Right, right. Yeah. Um, now how do, how do people find out um, about the program and what gardens are open when and... Okay, well, the best way to go about it is to go to our website, which is Sustainable Gardening Australia or sgaonline.org.au. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, and then there will be a link to the, um, the tours and open gardens. So it's got a list of all the ones that are coming up until the end of the year and then all their times. The tours, because they are small groups, they do need to be pre-booked. Fair enough. So you can't just rock up on the day. Yep. But if people have got open gardens, of course, you can just um, show up during those hours and, and have a walk through the garden. Okay. The gardener will be on hand, of course, on those days, but won't be taking specialised tours as No, much. no, right. Now, your first one is coming up on September the 19th. That's right, at Mount Waverley. This is Zafia's garden, and it, it is just, I hate to use the word amazing, overdone, but it is really just so beautiful. Zafia is a woman who's self-sufficient in vegetables, would you believe, on her allotment. She does a whole lot of preserving as well, and she keeps bees, and she's got chooks and, and all the rest of it. Um, but what I really loved about Zafia's garden is that um, she will look at people's hard waste collections with a different eye to most of us, and she'll pick up things and incorporate them into the garden in the most whimsical yes. and most gorgeous fashion. Terrific. It really is beautiful. Yeah. Excellent. Sounds like a few people I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. you can make it look like a rubbish heap or you can make it look like something that's really pretty. and, uh, and Exactly. Uh, and, yeah. Exactly. And she, and she's yeah. managed to do that beautifully. Brilliant. Um, yeah. Costs, what's involved there? Okay, for a booked tour, uh, the, uh, they're $15.00. $15 for the tour and we'd expect the tour to go for at least an hour and you've got plenty of opportunity to ask questions of the gardener as well. So, you know, I, me walking around looking at these gardens, I spent easily over an hour there and I would consider myself a pretty much experienced and seasoned gardener but I was learning something at every single one. Okay. So, And the general opening would be $8. doesn't need to be pre-booked for that one. Yes, Okay, wonderful. Well, all the best with the initiative. Thanks very much. Um, if, if you'd just like to give out the, uh, the uh, address right. again online, yeah. yep. It's sgaonline.org.au. So Fantastic. Sustainable Gardening Australia. Yep. Great. Thank you. Okay, thanks, Maria. Thanks, Bye. Right, we need to get a bit of a move yeah, on. We've got we'll quite go, a few calls in. Yep, we'll go next to Hugh in the Yarra Valley. Good morning, Hugh. Tanner, good morning, Victoria. Come on, get up and start talking. It's gardening. It's important. Good morning, everybody. On you, Hugh. <laughs> morning. Listen, I've been yesterday to Fernie Creek, and of course they had their show on. Yeah, right. Everybody was there. Lots of plants, lots of flowers, lots of camellias, beautiful flowers, and of course bulbs. And I got lost again, and I bought arisimas. Yeah. And I thought I know something about Arisima, but I, my memory is I, I keep forgetting. I think Arisima is a bulb which has two sides. Mm. Now, one side is like a ball. It is half round. Yeah. 
and then it has a top side which is flat. Yeah. Now, my memory is leaving me behind. I think the flat side, which looks like where the roots are coming out, I think that goes to the bottom. No, it doesn't. It goes to the top. The rounded one is the bottom. The rounded one is the bottom. Yes, yep. the rounded form is the bottom, and the flat flat bit is the top, and the roots do tend to come from around the edges and the top. Uh, that's how it was, because yep. I remembered... I remembered the roots coming out and going along the side of the bulb. Yeah, yeah. So the flattish side in, in Aracemas tends to be the top. So that's that's the bit you put up. Yeah, okay. So, um, well, uh, um, <laughs> because a couple of months ago I planted quite a few Aracemas and I, and I made a mistake. But I think... They turn themselves around if I make a mistake. Look, they they can. Yeah. Uh, there's a good chance that they will sort of grow around. But obviously, from the from the plant's point of view, it's better if it's the right way up. Yep. I would think that the aracemas would still be fairly dormant, even if you did plant them a little while ago. And if you think you might have planted them upside down, uh, I'd be tempted to go in and check. And and if they are, I'd flip them all over because uh, I don't think it'll do any harm. Take them out again and then put them back. Yeah. I look. I would, Hugh, but I do it straight away. I mean, they'll start to. Move Move fairly soon. The warmer weather's coming on. Aracemas are from the monsoonal areas where they're dry in the winter and damp in the summer, mm. and so they're still basically dormant at the moment. So whilst they're still dormant, if you have put them upside down, you could flip them. Yeah, because the ones I bought yesterday, they were already having some pips, you know. Oh yeah, they they, they will. Uh, in fact, it should be reasonably obvious now because the yeah. the actual growth bud should be starting to swell. On what is in fact the top. So, but it's still plenty of time to plant them. So there's still time to right. make good on the possible mistake you made earlier with the original ones. Okay, flat to the top. Flat, flat to, to the flat top. top. Yes. Yeah. Now, <laughs> now another very important thing. Uh, unfortunately, <clears throat> uh, I don't have a computer. Right. I, I'm so busy in the garden. I wouldn't even know when to look at the computer. So. Um, but there is a machine, it is like a solder iron, or it is like a, I don't know how to describe this machine, I only heard about it. Now, say, for example, you want to make a huge plastic bag to put over a plant to protect it against frost, or you want to make a particular size plastic bag to put over a graft. You know, it's the end of grafting time for camellias. Uh, there is a little gadget you just buy. You have your flat piece of plastic. Then you cut it with a pair of scissors to the size of bag, which you just want to create to put for whatever purpose. And then there is a machine, and that solders the side yeah. together. Yeah. Now, at the moment, I've been using it with staplers and so on and so forth, and it is it is a contrary. Has anybody, Victoria, come on, Vic, talk to me, tell me, is there such a gadget of soldering plastic together? There is. I mean, people use them all the time in, in small home manufacturing of food mm. types right. and things. Yep. Uh, and they are. They're just a little hot wire that sort of welds, salt, welds yeah. the plastic together. Um, uh, the only ones I've seen, though, look to me like they're quite expensive mm. things to buy. Um, uh, they're a fairly, well, a reasonable size thing that you'd sit up on a table or something like that. Um, and um, uh, I know 
know that the local general stores got one because uh, they do a lot of their own home cooking and stuff, and they see all thing, things like cookies and things. I've never ever seen one. Is there a name for it where I can... I have uh, got no idea what they're actually called. I should, because I uh, many, many years ago, my father had a big industrial one. We used to manufacture potting mixes and things, and he had one of these sealant machines, and I can't for the life remember what they're called. Well, oh, you found one, have well, you? Plastic welder. A plastic welder. Yeah, uh. that's, that's what they're... On the internet, as go to the green shed people, or is there a special company or something? Um, yeah, you, you don't have access to a computer at all, Hugh. Have you got what? Uh, do you have access to a computer at all? No, I'm just um, I'm just a sort of a hermit <laughs> in the garden. Lots of plants, lots of plants, lots of wildlife. I'm a hermit. I'm, oh God, this is just terrible. Um, but I can perhaps go to the green shed people and say, can you go and get me one if I say to them plastic welder? Yeah, well, that's the sort of thing you're looking for. It just has a little warm, hot wire on it that just sort of melts the plastic in the one spot and sort of hold and therefore seals it together. Yeah. Um, and But I had the sense that, well, there may be a small, inexpensive home model, but I think you'll find a lot of the ones that are out there are going to be probably... A little on the pricey side for the sort of thing you're trying to do. It's the sort of thing that even butchers use for vacuum packing meats yeah. and things. Mm. Yes. Okay. So. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, thanks very much. I think keep going. Now, Pam, there is something for you. Yes, the Orchid Festival. Yeah, did you, I gave the details. Yes, the, I've got them the, up on to screen. The fan, to and the I... fantastic lady uh, at the telephone. I gave her the, the details. I just read them very, very quickly. You can say it much nicer than me. <laughs> it is the Symbidium Orchid Society. It's at the Hungarian Club. It's next Saturday, Sunday. It's from 9 to 5 Saturday, 9 to 4 on Sunday. And you will see orchids galore, and the people are coming from interstate. That is growers from interstate. And uh, people with stores from interstate, it just you enter the hall, all you see is flowers. Wonderful. And it is, um, admission is very, very cheap. And it is um, in Boronia Road, Von Turner, close to East Link at the Hungarian Club. Okay. Fantastic. It's actually 760 Boronia Road there. So I'm sure people can find it, yes. Yes, 760 Boronia Road, Von Turner. Yes. Yes, 3CR, great. Thanks very much for helping me. Okay. I have getting on. Maybe somebody rings up and knows how, how to do it the cheap way to get these plastic bags. <laughs> you you never, know. never know. You never know. You might be lucky. Okay, good on you, Hugh. Yeah, have a nice day. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye, Bye-bye, Victoria. All right, let's uh, move on and we have... Uh, let me see. I'm not sure if we're still there at that moment. I might go to the next caller first. Um, we have Christine, who's uh, in Bentley. Are you there, Christine? Yes, I am. Good. Go ahead. Um, I've got a query. I need to choose a variety of ginkgo tree. Okay. I've got an autumn gold, which I'm really happy with, um, and but I think it might be going to be a bit too wide for the spot that I've got. And you I'm... won't live long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so I wouldn't worry about that, Christine. Okay. Uh, ginkgo is a comparatively slow-growing tree, and even a normal sort of classical ginkgo yep. is going to take 80 to 100 years to be a decent-sized tree. So... 
it'll be somebody else's problem. Okay. If I wanted to choose, then I've got a choice of an autumn gold or a Princeton Sentry yeah. or just an ordinary grafted male. Yeah. Um, Which of the three? Uh, I'm, I'm happy with the autumn gold, but maybe I should try something different. No, look, as long as it's a male grafted form, mm. uh, and that would be my only proviso, mm. because if you end up with a female yeah. ginkgo, the smelly fruit is not exactly the most pleasant thing to have in your garden. No. Um, so as long as it's a male form, I mean, the Princeton Sentry is a lovely one if you're looking for a very narrow tree. I mean, it grows like a poplar. Okay. Um, and oh, it's really? Lovely. As upright as that? Oh, yes, it's quite a narrow right. ginkgo selection. Right. Um, and... And, but it doesn't have the big root system of a poplar and it doesn't have the same speed of growth as a poplar. Uh, but the issue, I guess, with the very narrow ones is that they're quite a different-looking tree. They are, yeah. So okay. if you want something that looks like a ginkgo, in some ways you almost need to have one that has a bit of spread to it so that it actually looks like a ginkgo tree and not a poplar. So when people are selling just what they call a grafted male, yep. um, that should just... That will be a classical be ginkgo. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the autumn colour on my autumn gold, I've noticed with the autumn gold, it seems to hold its leaves for quite a while as well, where I keep reading that your general, your ordinary ginkgos drop their leaves quickly. Would it be a risk to go for a grafted male instead of another autumn it, gold? No, it, look, you can go for the autumn gold, that's not a problem, but um, there's absolutely no reason why and the normal male grafted ginkgo won't be a good tree that should colour well and hold okay. its foliage reasonably well. Uh, keep in mind, too, there are other selections out there. Um, there's there's one called Saratoga, uh, which is a comparatively small-growing ginkgo yeah. uh, with a, a nice, irregular, interesting form. And its major claim to fame is that the, the sort of two lobes that the ginkgo leaf tends to have on Saratoga are extra long and narrow, so they're very fingery-like. Mm. Um, and it makes a nice tree, and it's also a male selection. So I've it's. Seen, I've that one, I think it's because it doesn't, it looks a bit weepy and not like a ginkgo as much as, I, you know, I actually want the ginkgo form. Yeah. Um, so that's why I've narrowed it down to those. But, yeah, look, um, I, I'd be happy with any of them, but I, I have to say I quite like Saratoga. Yeah. Um, and I mean, for the for the seriously space challenge, there's even miniature ginkgos now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, there's one called, I think it's called Marrican, uh, which only grows to about a metre and a half each way. And so it makes a great tub specimen or bonsai plant or whatever. And it's got the classical ginkgo-shaped leaf, but it's a little miniature one. Yeah, so, no, I want, I want the big the big. Yeah, well, just go for a nor- well, go for your autumn goal or autumn glory or whatever or go yep. for go for just a grafted, grafted male male and yeah. and i can expect good performance out oh, of an ordinary look, you, grafted yeah, male you should be able to yeah, yeah. i mean they, they've selected it as a male but i'd also i'd also suggest that they've grafted from a reasonably good coloring tree and all that stuff because yeah, that's what i was thinking you know, there's no um, point in grafting them unless they're going to be in some way uh superior yep. yeah so oh, I, I, I would think that'd be fine all right then well thank you okay, okay bye bye I like the fact people are still planting ginkgos. Yeah, it's yeah, wonderful. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, you're reintroducing a native. <laughs> <laughs> if you go back far enough. Yeah, if you go back far enough, yeah. Um, so, um, yeah, I just think they're a wonderful tree. I mean, when they're you really gorgeous, think yeah. about them, they're, they're not only a spectacularly beautiful tree, but in their own time when they were first discovered, they were the wool of my pine of their era. Indeed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They were known from fossil remains. Yeah. They thought they were extinct. Yep. They were suddenly discovered in China. Yeah. And... I mean, we didn't have the internet and all those things back then, but certainly uh, as far as one could, it was a huge publicity thing happened yep. and everybody had to have a ginkgo. Mm. And so you go around the world and there are ginkgos that are all sort of about of an era yeah. when they were first discovered and brought into cultivation, still growing yeah. out there in, in places. And this is several hundred years ago. Is that right? Uh, I don't know that it's that far back. It's, right. it's uh, I think... 
I think it's late 17th or early 18th century okay. when they discovered the ginkgo as a living plant in China, I think. Uh, but, of course, there's been trees like that all the way through. The um, uh, Dawn Redwood. Metasequoia. The Metasequoia is yeah. another example. And that was only discovered in 1945. Yeah. Uh, and suddenly here's this conifer that, again, had been known from fossil remains. Uh, yep. And they suddenly found the living tree. How yep. exciting is that? And, and the, the, there is there's a, a, a bunch of... Same age, metasequoias planted through our public gardens in the world. Yeah, virtually around yeah. the world. You'll find metasequoias of about the same era. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, and I remember having quite an interesting discussion with somebody from the National Trust because years ago I had convinced one of our big gardens on Mount Macedon to plant a metasequoia because it was full of taxodiums and, 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 and larches and, yeah. and firs and spruces and cedars and things, all those Victorian trees. Yeah. Uh, but it was pointed out to me that the metasequoia shouldn't be allowed to be planted in the garden because it wasn't authentic because it wasn't discovered till 1945. Oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's, that was my attitude, I have to say. The tree itself fitted the range that was in oh, the garden superbly. Perfect. And obviously the original owner, if he'd had access to a metasequoia, would, would have planted, planted one straight one. away. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you would know? have. And in fact, it makes me laugh because the previous owner of the property actually did plonk in a wool of my pine in the hidden corner. <laughs> ah. uh, so there's a wool of my pine in the garden there, which has got even less authenticness, if you're going to be <laughs> historically be, correct, yeah. uh, than the metasequoia has. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, so I think it's more a matter of keeping a garden in character than yeah. worrying too much about the exact authenticity of the, the cultivar or species. Oh, again, yeah. it's just speaking to that fact that gardens are dynamic things. Yeah. 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 And, of course, in, there's sometimes in the way, and particularly in cultivars, I mean, there's superior cultivars coming onto the market all the time, or, yeah. uh, which can often be far better garden plants than some of the original species or some of the early hybrids. Early, yeah. um, so why, in fact, wouldn't you use the better one? Yeah. If there is such a thing. No, you can't be beholden to, to a, a list which was there no. at some point. No. no. Look, as I say to people, you wouldn't plant a fern in a cactus garden. So as long as you plant things that have in, in the character. feel in character with the garden that yeah. you're planting, then, yeah, I don't think you need to be quite so pedantic. No, and a metasequoia in amongst all. It's, it's, it's amongst its friends, for Of course sure. it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was just a happenstance of, of discovery that it was, it was still there until 1945 before anybody noticed yeah. it. Yep. I mean, I mean, obviously the locals knew it was yeah, there. that's right. You know, so to them it wasn't a new discovery. Uh, it was only from a Western, Western world science. perspective. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, Gorgeous trees. Oh, fantastic trees. Yeah. I love medicine and, and, and some of those trees are actually starting to be you know, good-sized trees these yeah. days. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you know, starting to get some big um, bowls and, you know. Yeah, yeah they're an amazing 10, tree. 15 metre trees now. Yep. It's great. We've got a full board of calls, oh, so we need we to get yes. to some of them. Our first up is Robert on Phillip Island. Good morning, Robert. Hello. How are you all? We're well. Nice morning down in Phillip Island. Yes, mate. Yeah, beautiful. Good. Uh, yesterday it was even nicer. <laughs> there you go. I got out about uh, oh, 9 o'clock, out with the ferret, mm. out in the paddocks, and I saw some uh, wild geese that walked past very quietly with their babies, saw some young wild ducks. Fantastic. And then uh, got three nice rabbits. <laughs> Good work. Put the put the nets over the burrow, and I lost three, but I got three, so I had a beautiful. Well done. Yeah, well done. Yes, I'll be rabbit pie this week. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, I'll give one away. Yep. And uh, keep two, so two two half grown ones. I'll uh, pan fry them, so I'll have uh, pan fried rabbit. This Will you week. stop this, Robert? You're making my mouth water. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Look, there's a lot of people say to me, "Oh, I wouldn't eat a rabbit." 
Oh, wonderful. Uh, if, oh, if, fabulous if, meat. Yeah, Love if, rabbit. If McDonald's started selling them, the ones who wouldn't eat one would soon uh, line up to buy them. I can see it now. Yeah, a bunny Mc, burger. A, a <laughs> McBunny burner, <laughs> burner, burger, had, yes. had a great day, thank you. I was just, just going to mention, um, if I could, you remember the old type of daffodil? I used to see them where old homes used to be. They weren't um, King Alfred. Is there, was there one named a gay eye? Because I saw some daffodils last week in Morwell, mm-hmm. and I said to the lady, uh, I got to know her a bit, I said, where did you get the daffodils? She said, they used to belong to my grandmother <laughs> some 70 years ago. Wow. So are you familiar with one called a gay I've eye? seen that name written somewhere, but I, I've never connected the name with a particular Look, so and it is an old cultivar. Yes, um, it's a species, I think. Yeah, no, I don't think it's a species. I think it's an early hybrid. Because the, the trouble with a lot of the early hybrids was they were given Latin-style names. Oh, okay. Right. And it's now frowned on to give a cultivar or hybrid a Latin name because right. that just confuses people, as yeah. this possibly is a mm, case yeah. thereof. Yeah. Um, so some of the very early hybrids and forms were given Latin names. So I'd almost bank on it not being a species. It's a shame we haven't got Will Ashburner here because yes. he, he'd, be he'd, he'd be able to pin it down straight away. Um, uh, uh, so I'm not quite sure what some of these really old daffodils are, no. but the vast majority of them out there aren't wild species, even no. the really, really old ones. They oh. are originally cultivars. Right. Well, if you'd like a couple of bulbs of it, she's, she's given me quite a few bulbs, so I'll give her some of mine. Yeah, well, that's the way these things get around, yes. which is sort of fun. Uh, but it would be lovely to pin some of these things down. But I've got a feeling even with some of them that they're so old now that there's probably nobody alive that actually knows what the name of some yeah. of these old daffs was. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. In fact, you know, I was out at the uh, old Alistair Clark property last week, uh, Glenara, uh, and there's daffodils flowering there. And, of course, he was a daffodil breeder yes. himself as well as a rose breeder. And I um, wouldn't have the foggiest idea about what some no. of them are. And no, they're some, possibly his breeding ones. Yeah, some of them yes. are fascinating. I, I know a chap that's got some John Quillers yeah. that came from Walhalla 100 years ago, and I've never seen little John Quillers like them. Yeah, He's the only person I know that's got them because an old chap gave them to him, an old gold miner from Walhalla. Mm. There you go. Now, look, Namisha, if I was going to plant it, seed for next year mm-hmm. uh, do you find Namisha easy to grow as a seed and when would you people put the seed in say for next year's Namisha well it, it's something that's summer growing so I would sow in the spring yep Right. Uh, and I'd sow once the real cold weather's over, because Namisia is not particularly cold resistant. Um, so I'd probably be looking at doing it, I don't know, about a cup day, something like that. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. And, and if, you, if you sow it then with a very thin covering over it so that it, it's not buried too deeply, uh, it should germinate fairly quickly. Most of these annual flowers do. They're generally fairly easy to, to germinate. Um, and you should have seedlings ready to prick out in probably three weeks, four weeks, something like that. Right. Now, will any of you folk be making it up to the Daffodil Show at uh, Lee and Gather? It would be nice to see anyone if you... I'd love to, but unfortunately for me running a nursery, I tend yeah. to be stuck at my place on yes. weekends, so yes. uh, I don't get out very often. No, no. Anyway, well, thanks very much, and everything's good, and... Uh, 
next week I hope to be out with the ferret and get a few more springs. Yeah, good for good you. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, okay. Put bye a bit bye. of a dent in those bunnies. <laughs> what? <laughs> but golly, I tell you what, they hit the nets hard. Yeah. Oh, yes, I bet. <laughs> oh, I lost three yesterday I thought I had, and I was a bit disgruntled about it too. Uh, well, oh, at least you came mind. away with three. You did all right. Oh, yes, yes. Okay, then. Bye-bye. Right. Okay. Good on you. Bye. Bye-bye. Right, next up we have uh, Laura, who's in North Melbourne. Good morning, Laura. Good morning. Um, is that the Dr. Arnott that's from Cranberry there? Uh, certainly not a doctor. Uh, uh, well, sorry. No, no, no. no that's it's John Arnott. It's John Arnott from Cranbourne, from oh, the Botanic no. Gardens of Cranbourne. No, it was just that um, I was talking to him a while ago about some of the dendrobiums. Now, I've got some pots of dendrobiums, and the one that I gave away... Um, some years ago, grew into a clump about a metre by a metre and flowered beautifully every second year. I've now got some small pots there and one I have had for five or six years and it's never flowered. Can I give it something to encourage it? I don't feed my dendrobiums at all. Are they in... What's the light levels, uh, Laura? It faces east. Uh Uh-huh. Um, it doesn't get midwinter sun because of the flats on the east, but the sun is now coming round to them. Okay, because um, sometimes they can be a little shy to flower if they're in mm. grown into too, too shady a, yes. a spot. But this is in the position that this huge clump that I'd had flowered, mm. and mm. I thought, well, if I put it there, it gets the same conditions. Yeah, it may just be, but then that they're not. Big enough Big clumps enough. yet. Um, you know, given time, dendrobiums can build into huge clumps. Mm. I know. Uh, Mine was a metre by a metre. Yeah, I don't know spe- why you gave it away. Yeah. Because I have a small courtyard <laughs> and I needed to be able to get into the courtyard. Oh, <laughs> look, all those practicalities. I don't know why people let them get in the way. Uh, <laughs> At any rate, it went to the Maranoa Garden. So it's oh, oh well, that's gone to a great home. home. Yeah. Yeah, look, I, I just think a little patience will be needed with some of these orchids. I've just got a sense that maybe they're not all that big yet. Mm, no. And um, uh, Getting tight in the pot. Yeah, well, then it should be getting up to a point where it should start to flower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, you could give it a little light liquid feeding. I mean, they do appreciate a little bit of something, one of the sort of, I don't know, thrives or yeah. one of those sort of liquid yeah. feeds. Gentle. Yeah, gentle sort of thing, fostogen, one of those sort of liquid feeds would probably be quite good. Um, you can also get specific orchid foods. I mean, mm. they're out there and available, although I don't know how much different they are to some of the more general plant mm. foods that are available. Uh, but look, most plants need a little bit of feeding occasionally, and although you may well have had one that flowered every second year for years and years with no feeding... A little bit of a feeding might sort of push things along. Okay. And and there's a whole bunch of uh, the, the the thing that flowered sounds like it might have been a species, um, and um, it'll have quite different characteristics to some of the hybrids. Right. Um, so it just may be a, a variety which is going to yeah, take a, a going to take a little bit of a bit slower. Yeah. 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 So it does, of course, give you something to live for. <laughs> <laughs> Wanted to better get a move on. <laughs> <laughs> and good on you for donating it to Maranoa Gardens. Have you, have, do you visit the orchid at Maranoa? I haven't been out, but um, I used to go to the Maranoa Gardens a lot when my mother was alive. She was um, wheelchair-bound and we could park and go around there. Oh, fantastic. It's a, a, it's a lovely garden. It is a it is. fabulous garden. It's a bit of a hidden gem, it isn't it? Really it really is. is. You know, is. people sort of, a lot of people don't know about the Maranoa Gardens, and yeah. it's a lovely spot to uh, go. Fabulous. It is. Mm. It is. 
Mm. Okay, well, okay. thanks very much, Laura. All right, thank you. Bye. Bye. You are listening to the 3CR Gardening Show. We've got Stephen Ryan from Dixonia Rare Plants in the studio and also John Arnott, who's Manager of Horticulture out at Cranbourne Botanic Gardens. Uh, we're running through until 9.15, our usual time slot, so uh, it does give you a chance to quickly jump on the line if you'd like to ask a gardening question. Uh, 94190155 to speak to the team on air or if you'd like to have a chat to Anne on the outside line 94198377 Next up we're going to Elaine out in Burwood. Good morning Elaine Oh good morning everyone uh, I've got bindi weed prickly thing growing in my back lawn mm-hmm. and I was wondering if boiling water or um, digging it out like a piece of lawn and rolling it up to get rid of it because it's about a, a metre square. The, all this is it big... restricted to about a metre square or is it throughout the lawn? No, it's not really, no, and that's why I don't want it to seed. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. And certainly if you've got a weed problem in a lawn and you want to physically deal with it, you need to do it before it goes to seed because yes. all you do is get more plants come up. So now would be a good time to get in and deal with it. If it's only a metre square, I'd actually be tempted to dig it out. Yeah. Yep. I've got a good flat spade. All right, yeah, dig yeah. it out. Get down two inches or three. Oh, you wouldn't even need no, to go that No, you don't deeply. need no. You don't need that. It's no. not deep at all. I've dug it out of my own lawn yeah. and, and it comes out very easily. Yeah. 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 So if you've only got a sort of a restricted spot of it now, Jump on now it. would be the time to get on top of it. Yeah. I uh, don't know how it came. Oh, look, it oh, would have come in on a bird birds. or an animal of some sort. Yes. The seed would have come in. Um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about weeds. They have a very good um, survival rate. So <laughs> what makes them good. Yeah, that's what They're makes survivors. them there. And, you know, you wouldn't be a weed if you were a miserable, weak little thing that needed help and attention. Um, um, so, um, yeah, so I'd just bounce on it straight away, Elaine. Good. Yeah, Thank and, you. And I think, I think doing out. that would be better. But boiling water's not likely to knock it out. Well, I thought it'd get too cold too quick by, mm. with the wet grass. Yeah, yeah no, I, I'd just dig the whole lot out. Thank you. Good okay. work. Oh. Bye, Bye for now. Bye. Yeah, bindi's a real pain, especially if you happen to walk across oh, the bare feet. feet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or if you've got a hairy dog. Oh, God, yes. Oh, of course. It's a menace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a real menace. Yeah. Okay, we're going to uh, Carol in Upper, Upper Beaconsfield. Good morning, Carol. Good morning. Go ahead. Oh, I just wanted really to do a plug, please, for our open garden event up here in Upper Beaconsfield next Sunday. Right. Um, we've got four gardens opening that are normally private gardens. Um, we've got a Paul Bangay uh, design garden. And we've got piles going on up here in Upper Beaconsfield with nurseries attending and garden designers doing talks. Um, and we'll even feed everyone with our Devonshire teas and sausages also. It's all for our um, Upper Beaconsfield Fire Brigade, which is where everything's starting off. So we just want to invite people to come along and enjoy these amazing gardens. Okay, so if people go to the Fire Brigade, they can uh, find out the addresses of the oh, gardens? Yes, yeah. if they come along to us on the Beaconsfield Emerald Road from 10 till 3 next Sunday, um, they'll be given a garden map. Um, our fireys will send them on their way to these gardens and um, they'll receive a very warm welcome and lots and lots to see and do. Brilliant, and it's a great cause. Oh, it is. It's fantastic. And these the gardens that have got behind this event are truly magnificent. I can't plug them enough. Check out our Facebook page, Upper Beaconsfield Fire Brigade, and you'll see loads of photos. Terrific. Fabulous. Excellent. Okay. Yes, well thank, done. Thank you. Bye. 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 And uh, next online, we've got our good friend, Ken from Sunshine. Good morning, Ken. Am I right? You've had some success? 
We hope so. (laughs) (laughs) You're still leaving us in suspense. It's qualified success. Good morning to everybody, and you're you're absolutely fantastic. You really are, the whole lot of you. And I haven't watched, and I don't don't expect you to comment, (laughs) I haven't watched the uh, gardening program since the the, the Irish leprechaun got lost in Greece or somewhere and came out. And I just can't watch it either. It's horrible. But anyway... We we have congratulations what you've done on your stand on botanical gardens around Victoria. They're absolutely important, and all oh, gardens are tremendously yep. so. And what's happened? We had we had a, a hearing, as I told you, uh, um, eight people as an in, independent hearing, and they've come to the conclusion. And we gave a fantastic submission. We really did, and very very. Professional people have taken over the committee. Young people have taken over the committee. They're absolutely terrific. But anyway, they've said that they they uh, the council should be taking part with the community to build a park. They should rescind their resolution and support the people with the park and work out with the people in the area how the park should go. Now we know what we should be doing, so you'll be hearing from us. Good. And um, we'd all love you to come. We're going to have a barbecue and we're going to have. Uh, Planting of indigenous trees and and um, yeah and you people will be invited the whole of Victoria so we've all got to stand together and there's other parks in Victoria there's a park down at Geelong they're trying to sell um, Dandenong Council and I've been speaking to these people too and uh, the park in um, Dandenong uh, Springvale um, that's been saved too wonderful so it's fantastic brilliant really good stuff. Well okay. done. You've you've been you've been like a little terrier on this for I'm, ages, Ken. Unfortunately, like like, my wife will say to me, "I'm like a terrier on everything. I can't let it go <laughs> until I've won." And I've I've actually with that, and it's not me. It's people who are around you. Yes, they they. It's not you. You might be leading stuff, but you can't do anything without them. And they're the ones who stand behind you. Yes, and fight with you. And they're the they're the heroes. Brilliant. Fantastic, right, well, Ken. Keep us in the loop, Ken. Thanks very, very much for all your help. Okay, bye. Bye. Ah, right up. Next we have Fermi and Reedsdale. Good morning, Fermi. Good morning, Pam. Good morning, Stephen and John. How are you? Good morning, Fermi. Oh, well, well, I'm ringing about... I, uh, Hugh said he saw everybody at uh, Fernie Creek, but he didn't see us. Because <laughs> we, oh, you were hiding, though. We were staying up here at Kyneton because <laughs> it's also the Kyneton Horticultural uh, Society's uh, spring show. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, it's unfortunately a clash with Fernie Creek. Yes. But, um, you can't be in too many places at the one. That's no, right. That's nature of spring, isn't it? <laughs> but anyway, uh, what was uh, what's on with the um, the horticultural uh, festival is the fact that there are open gardens, and one of your regular listeners and callers in. Uh, Pam from Kyneton right. has her garden open. Wow. Well, she's a bit of a dark horse. She hasn't told she us. She didn't mention it. Did no, no, she didn't. No, I was looking at the list and said, oh, that sounds like it might be Pam from Kyneton. <laughs> and sure enough, it was. So, and uh, it's just amazing what she has done in the five years that she's been there. Right, so fantastic. You really should have a photo board of the before and after because you can see how much change she's wrought in, in that garden already. So, oh, Wonderful. Yeah. So and uh, yeah, it's a uh, quite a, a good little garden to see from the the roadside. You just think it's just a, a little suburban house, but mm-hmm. then it goes right down towards the river, and uh, she's got quite a lot of uh, slope there that uh, she's 
try and tame. So it's worthwhile. And uh, apparently I spoke to one of the other gardeners, uh, gardens, uh, gardeners who had their garden open yesterday, and they said most of the people coming through were actually from outside Kyneton, so a lot of people coming up from Melbourne and other places. Oh, that's good. Well. That's excellent. So hopefully uh, if others are coming up. Uh, and uh, their garden's open right through till uh, next weekend, I think. Wow. The, um, the, the, I'm not sure what day the ferret races are, so I don't know if Robert will be coming up for that. <laughs> uh, uh, he might be putting an entry in. Who you knows? never know. <laughs> I think his ferrets are too busy catching rabbits. <laughs> Yeah, so there, there's a, a lot of stuff going on, but the um, the uh, main thing at the moment is the, the horticultural show is on, and um, they, uh, we did have at least one um, exhibitor from um, from Leon Gaffer, so because a, a lot of the others have gone to Fernie Creek, but yes, uh, they of came up, and well, there was one uh, couple who exhibited there who come up from near uh, Warrnambool. Goodness right, gracious. and Goodness. they'll be up next weekend for the uh, Lansfield and Belinda shows. Okay, the enthusiasm of some people. They're, they're putting in a lot of uh, miles. So. Oh, that's wonderful! Yeah. So, yeah. But uh, it's a great time for daffodils, of course. So, oh yes, yes, and uh, yes, uh, Lee and Gather and then is trying to take over from Kyneton in terms. Of <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit the of rivalry, though. Yes, but uh, yeah, I think uh, daffodils are such a uh, plant that you can have more than one place as being. Yeah, of course, you can. <laughs> yes. Okay, thanks for that, Fermi, and for alerting us to it. Yes, well, uh, I'm pretty sure her garden's still open for the rest of the festival, but not all the days. But if you contact the Maston Rangers Shire, I think they can, if you're coming up from Melbourne, uh, they can probably read you out the things or go on, uh, give you a web address or something. Yep, fantastic. uh, Excellent. Excellent. Okay, thanks, Fermi. Okay, bye. 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 All right, next up we have uh, Virginia in Coburg. Good morning, Virginia. Oh, good morning. Good morning, everyone. Um, look, I'm just ringing to um, hopefully get some advice on some plant selection. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, it's for the back of a five-metre bed. Um, it's north-facing, mm-hmm. and it's a raised bed, so it's half a metre high. Good. Um, and I'm looking for something um, like a roller, preferably... Um, grey foliage or flowering in winter, about a metre wide, um, one to about a metre high, maybe a bit more, something like that. A, a, a metre. I was thinking adenanthus, but that's going to get a little too big. Yeah, um, I've got um, a whole lot of... I've got a whole lot of agastache in front. Okay. And um, there's a dwarf flowering gum. Okay. Um, is the soil, what's the soil like? Um, the soil is um, um, sand and loam, and I've been putting a bit of, like, compost in there as well. Okay. So there's, there's actually um, an um, aloe in there that's doing quite well. Okay. There's a very, very fine Australian native um, grey foliage plant. Uh, it's called Eremophila nivea. Okay. Um, which is a gorgeous thing. Really, yeah. be- really, really beautiful grey foliage. And that foliage. about the right size. It's about it? the yeah. Yeah. That, that, yeah. Could I do? That's the one that's got that purple flower. That's right? got that mauvey purple flower. Yeah. 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 Um, would um, could I have a row of them? Uh, you could. It, it, it's the sort of thing that you wouldn't want it to to be a strong hedge line because. Um, uh, Plants can drop out of the landscape. Yeah, um, yeah. So I wouldn't use it as a structural element. As, yeah, as, as I guess such. I am looking for a, 
a structural element. What about some of the new astringias that are sort of comparatively yeah. compact and narrow? Yeah, good. Oh, yeah. They might work. Yeah. There, there's a, what are they calling it? Something dreadful like Oz Box or some damn thing? Something like that, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Well, Stringy yes, would be nice. Yes, yes. Blue yeah. Box or... Yes. yes. Something like that. Blue Box. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember for it's certain. It's got quite an upright habit. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely got grey foliage. It's got, got lovely bluey mauvey flowers. Yeah. yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. So, and, um, and they're fairly hard to kill. So. Yeah, they'd, they'd be very reliable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah okay. Westringia is a nice idea. Mm. That sounds really good. And that will that flower in the winter? Uh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Oh, brilliant. Now, they're a new release, so they should be around in the nurseries Yeah, they'll be spring. in some coloured be... pot with a big label. Yeah, big <laughs> yes. That's right. Okay. Yeah, so the whole thing will be sort of out there. And uh, I certainly know they were being promoted, I think, at Mifkus last year. Okay. Uh, yes. As, as a new release plant coming on board. Uh, and because of their sort of reasonably vertical habit, they were being promoted as sort as of a hedging, hedging sort of alternative to some of the classical the hedges out there. Yeah, which is yeah. why the nickname. Yeah. 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 That sounds really good. Someone suggested to me um, uh, some buddleias. There's some kind of dwarf buddleias. Yeah. Oh. But the Deep dwarf range. ones are not that dwarf. No. Oh, okay. And and they're sort of rangy bushes. They yeah. sort of they sort of arch over, and unless you're pruning them heavily regularly and no. controlling them, that's not going to work for you. I no. don't think. Yeah. And no. they're and they're not they're not winter flowering. Of course, they're yeah. summer flowering. Yeah. Yeah. Buddleias. Well, that that Westringia idea sounds. Look, it best, would be ideal for your sort of situation. Yeah, that's exactly how it's being marketed for yeah. that sort of for situation. Sort of, yeah. Excellent. Um and. Eremophila, Nivea, I'd, yep. I'd include that, but not as a structural element. Yeah. Yes, I've I've had mixed results with my Eremophila. Yeah, in it's, the past. that's that's the, I think that's the nature of Eremophila. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yes, they're not always the easiest plant, but by crikey, they're pretty when you get one to grow well. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. But it, the Buddleia, I mean the uh, Westringers sound like. Um, a reliable candidate. Yeah. Oh, yes. yes. And if you were thinking Buddleia, I mean, it's a, it's a completely different thing, but some of the grey foliage salvias um, yeah. would, would fulfil that um, you know, floristic to, thing. Are there any... That salvia, I was thinking of them, but, and I, I was having trouble finding um, any that would flower... In winter. Oh, no, there's a bunch of flowers yeah, in winter. There's a good oh, yes. range of them that flower in winter. In fact, the, the Mexican salvia, yeah. Lucantha, yep. tends to be sort of winter oriented and okay. it has good silver foliage. It has white flowers with purple bracts. Um, so the overall effect is sort of a purpley flowers. Always and it's in flower. And, and it, it flowers for months. And it would probably get to about the metre. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it would certainly be a possibility. Yeah, yeah so, so any of those. Um, salvia lucanthus, do you think would yeah. work? Yeah, yeah. There are there are cu- there's a couple of forms. Mm. Yeah. Um, but the, all of the forms would fulfil that brief. Yeah. And of yeah. course, the salvias are good too because they are very bird attractant. All mm. the little honey eaters love the salvias. So. Yeah. Well, that's what I was thinking. There was one I was looking at called um, Melanans or something like that. Mm, not familiar with no. that one. Yeah. There's there's hundreds of different salvias. Oh, yeah, there really are. Yeah. It's yeah. any wonder that there's sort of societies dedicated to the <laughs> genus and what have you. Uh, and the Garden Plants Conservation Association, I think, has got more registered salvia collections than we've got anything else. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, so, uh, we just recently registered one up in Queensland, and we've got True. salvia collections all over the place. Yeah. So, uh, they are very popular. Great plants. Yeah. yeah. You yeah. just need to to check on on the size they're going to grow to yeah. because yeah. there's there's such a huge diversity within yeah. the salvia family. Mm. Um, yeah. But that Lucantha group would be perfect. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like the Lucantha group would be good because the other salvias I looked at were um, 
the ones that flowered in winter were, were rather large. Yeah. Okay. And some of them are. Some of them are quite big Some of them plants. are big, mm. yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'll, I'll check out the leucanthus again and also the wistringia. So yeah. it's called something like... Something, it's something box. box. It's something box. Yeah. I had the feeling it was blue box, but I might be yeah. wrong. But it certainly got box in the name because they're alluding to the fact that it would be a an alternative like a to box, box hedging. Hedge. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah. There is. There's a thing called West Ringia blue box. Yeah. Well, it that, is blue that's box. probably the that's one. That's the one. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Great. All right. Thank you very much. That's I'll a pleasure. Follow up on that. Okay. All right. Bye. There's also blue gem yeah. here. There's West Ringia Aussie box. There's West India blue box and there's West India blue. No, the one gem. I'm thinking of is the blue box, blue box. Yeah. which yep. is quite an upright habit. Yeah. And, yep. and yes, okay. All right, moving Let's right move along. Let's move on. Exactly. <laughs> we have Kathy in Bentley. Good morning, Kathy. Oh, good morning, panel. I'm ringing up um, on behalf of my daughter about a gardenia tree. I don't know what the proper name of it is. Probably gardenia thumbutii. Thumbutii. Yeah, yeah, yeah the great big one. It's about yeah. 10 foot high. With yep. A very established tree. Big round She's fruits. Ga- yes, yep. yes, those big um, bulbous mm. pip. Um, She's going to be doing renovations and it's going to have to be moved. Uh, first of all, I don't oh. know what the chances are of it being any good or what. What Look, nothing is impossible, but it's not a plant I would like to tamper with no, if I could I avoid it. Um, particularly seeing as it's such a well-established one, because I mean mm. they take years to get that big. That's yeah. right. Um, they take years to flower, and that yes, they do yeah. take years to flower from a young plant. Um, I I would if I was a betting man I'd put it at about a fifty fifty chance of it surviving and that's going to be seriously dependent on how good a root system you get out with the plant when you dig it and you won't know what that's going to be until you do. Um, uh, there are serious risks involved. Yep. Right. Right. So she so needs to be aware of that. Yeah, and just take it out quite a while beforehand. And oh, I'd be doing it now if you could. You know, as right. the spring's just coming yeah, before on before it gets any hotter. Yeah. There's the ideal thing to do with transplants, and that's um, cut the root system before you transplant yeah. it, yes. and almost dig a trench and f- backfill that with um, some some nice loose organic material. Okay. And the idea yeah. is that what what happens from those root cuts is that they'll, they'll throw fibrous roots in, into the, and then you move the plant yeah. with the fibrous roots. But yeah. that, right. that can take eighteen months. Yeah, I was going to say you've got to allow at least twelve months yeah. or so yeah. to to do it that way by yeah. right. digging the trench around it to encourage fibre root. Yeah. Um, and I guess I'm assuming that the renovations are going to start earlier than in 12 months' time. Yes, yeah. yes, in October. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so if she's going to have to do this, she's going to have to bite the bullet and do it as soon as possible. Do it now. Uh, and with the proviso that there's a good chance it will fail. Right. Oh, well, hope springs eternal. Yeah, well, look, well, you can only give these things a crack. Exactly. Um, and if it's got to go, it's got to go. Personally, I wouldn't do the renovation, but um, uh, <laughs> I'd see the gardenia is far more important. Or I'd build it around it. <laughs> yeah, yes, turn it, turn it into a courtyard. Yes. Because um, uh, they are one of those plants that's actually not even that easy to get hold of as a replacement if you mm. lose the original yeah, one, let alone yeah. one that's going to flower reasonably soon and all that sort of stuff. So, I got my original one from Diggers. Yeah. I don't know if they still have them. Really? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. There'd be uh, no use in sort of donating it to somebody that could take it straight or what, you know. I'm just oh. sort of such an established... Well, that's still not going to guarantee that they yeah, can get and it. And look, exactly. I have to say, if I they if I were a, a, somebody looking for a, a, an interesting plant and was prepared to put the time and effort into shifting something, I'm not sure I would be prepared to do it with that because of the chances of failure. Yeah. I mean, it's a lot of work to dig something yeah. up yes, like that and move it. Uh, yeah. And also, you've got more chance of shifting it in the same garden, in the same 
soil and and immediately than somebody mm. having to load it in a trailer yeah. and, and and cart it to another and then suburb it dries or out and yeah, uh, yeah. so it's even got less chance of survival if it's moved off site. I would have thought than it would if it's kept if it where it is. There. How, oh, well, how thick would the trunk be? Just just out of interest. Oh, it'd, it'd be you know twelve inches. It's a big solid. Yeah, it's a tricky one that one. Look, at the end of the day, I guess you've got to decide whether it's worth all of the effort, and it will be a huge amount of effort to dig yeah. a decent ball of root system out, or whether you're just better to you've buy the You've just got to let it go it. and try and replace yeah, it. Yeah, and then get another young plant and grow it on. because, uh, And, I mean, the diggers was suggested as a possibility for a replacement, but the other place that you'd probably get one would be from Lyle Philippe down at Rorama Nursery yes, yes. down at Lara. Yeah. Uh, he'd but, be just the right sort of nurseryman that would have um, things like Gardenia Thumbergia, I would have thought. A lot of that yeah. South African stuff. Yeah. 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 Oh, well, we'll keep, keep our fingers crossed. Yep. See how we go. That's all you can do. Okay. Thanks for your help. Bye. Bye-bye. Lyle's nursery is a ripper. It's great fun. Yeah, I yeah, love going yeah, down and visiting yeah, Lyle. You wander around and there's all these fabulous sort of Victorian-style plants <laughs> everywhere. And uh, and he's got such enthusiasm and energy. I mean, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll arrive home with a 20-foot palm tree that he's <laughs> dug up from somewhere or another or, you know, a huge boab or something yeah. or another. It's, it's a remarkable place. Yeah, he's so, a, a, quite an individual. Oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes he's, he's working towards full-blown eccentricity like all of us in horticulture should be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next up we have uh, Jill from the Herb Society. Good morning. Jill. Good morning, Pam, Stephen, John, everybody. Morning. Um, I'm telling about Sarah Court's Healthy Harvest Festival, which is next Saturday. Right. And Sarah Court is at Montrose. It's a, a kindergarten and creche. And they're having um, the whole thing is from about quarter to ten until four o'clock. Mm-hmm. Or no, 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 till 2.30. So oh, okay. lunch hour. And uh, the um, lunch, two and a half hours. And there are t- little talks for 20 minutes. I'm doing one on herbs for health. And then there's potting up herbs for children. And the address is 25 Sarah Court, Montrose. Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. Right. And it's very easy to find, you know, off the main road. Yes. At Montrose, then turn right at the roundabout and then... Um, so you're on the right-hand side if you're coming from Melbourne of the, of the main road and Sarah Court's just in there somewhere. Okay. The Melrose, the um, Melways will be best. I'll find actually trying to find them on the Google Maps is even more confusing sometimes. <laughs> yes, exactly. Mm. Okay, thanks and, for that. Um, on the 26th of September, the Herb Society is hosting uh, Herbs of the First Fleet and mm-hmm. the early colony of New South Wales, yeah. and that's in Burnley, in the main building, room 10, 1.30, on Saturday the 26th. And that's on the Herb Society website. And I'll put my... I'm actually willing to take... Uh, give my um, mobile over this over the radio if people are interested, because I know there are people who don't look at the website who may well be interested in that. Yep. Sounds like a great talk. Mm. Um, yes, it's Sue Evans, who's a um, fantastic speaker. And, you know, it'll be about Margaret Catchpole and um, English, English herbs that have been brought and some that have been gathered from South Africa um, and from uh, Brazil because the firstly called in at those places yeah. to get water and to get food. Yeah. Yep. Uh, anyway, um, my mobile, Jill Bryant, 0478 
Okay, thanks for that, Jill. Thanks a lot. Bye. Bye. Very quickly, firstly, Gloria wanted to know the book you were talking about. I'm presuming that she's you, meaning Road? Flora of the Silk Road. Yes, Flora of the Silk Flora Road. Flora of the Silk Road. Yeah. Yes. Stunning book. Beautiful. Okay, and uh, very quickly, a listener started pruning her grapevine, but the sap was flowing, so she stopped. When's it going to be safe to restart pruning? Well, I wouldn't do it until midsummer. Now, no, I no. think she's going to have to leave it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right, we've run out of time for yeah. yet another week. We didn't get to talk about any of our plants we bought in. I John, know. John bought John in a whole, a whole bunch of gorgeous stuff. We didn't just, even get that's started okay. on it. They're going to look very nice at home. Yeah. Yes, they <laughs> yes, will. Right. Yes, nice, Your nice wife will appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> and we didn't get to talk about those either, so I'll give you those bits of paper. Oh, back. goodness me. Mm. Yes, we're going to have to catch up on all of that next week. More yeah. homework. Yep. As it was, I was struggling to get through announcements just for next weekend. Oh, so. Goodness gracious. Sorry about that. Never mind. It's all it's all happening. Um, of course, we'll be back at 7.30 next week. Um, in the meantime, coming up next, of course, is uh, Alternative News and then the Concrete Gang. So uh, from us, it's goodbye until next week at 7.30. Bye for now. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.